Awesome. Well, uh, we've been working on a series um, dealing with shame, and this is a series we do every year or two because the topic of shame is very important uh, to our lives. It's very important to God. It's very important uh, psychologically. It, it affects all areas of our lives, and sometimes we don't like to talk about shame because shame is kind of a shameful thing, we think, and so we, wanna, we often want to hide it, and it's the last thing we want to talk about it, but um, it needs to be talked about, and God is wanting to, to bring us to a place where we are set free and moving towards freedom when it comes to, to our shame. Now, when we're talking about shame, what, what do we mean? Let me just read this again. We read this last week. This is Brene Brown. If you've never read any of her work, I would highly recommend her. She is one of the foremost experts in the, in the topic of shame. She's written a lot about it, but she defines it this way. Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Shame keeps worthiness away by convincing us that owning our own stories will lead people lead to people thinking less of us. Shame is all about fear. We're afraid that people won't like us if they know the truth about who we are, where we come from, what we believe, how much we're struggling, or believe it or not, how wonderful we are when soaring. Sometimes it's just as hard to own our own strengths as our struggles. People often want to believe that shame is reserved for folks who have survived terrible traumas, but this is not true. Shame is something we all experience, and while it feels as if shame hides in our darkest corners, it actually tends to lurk in all of the familiar places, including appearance and body image, family, parenting, money, and work, health, addiction, sex, aging, and religion. To feel shame is to be human. And so you're not alone. We all have it. We all experience it. And um, it's just a reality of it. But uh, research shows that it, it affects how we interact in community. It affects every one of our relationships. It affects how we, we operate and function in the church. It affects our relationship with God. It affects every area of our life. And so we want to always be moving towards freedom and seeing our shame and recognizing our shame and releasing that over to God. And it's a bit of a review from last week. We did note that there is a very big difference between guilt and shame. Uh, scripture says that guilt is a good thing. Conviction is a good thing. Uh, even uh, psychology tells us that, that guilt is a good thing. It's very healthy. But shame is very unhealthy. And it, it is not from God. Guilt is about wrong actions, while shame is about being wrong as a person. So if, if, if I make a mistake, and, uh, you know, like I... Uh, you know, backing up my car in the parking lot and I run into you, <laughs> you know, sh guilt would be, you know, I'm really sorry I made a mistake. You know, how can I make this right? You know, do you want to go through ICBC? Do you want cash? You know, how can we fix this? You know, I feel bad about what I did. But shame would be, man, I'm such a loser. I can't believe I do this. I'm not worthy of anything. Why can't I do anything right? There's something seriously wrong with me. Shame is about me as a person. Well, guilt is about the action. And so there is a difference. And so when God convicts us, He's convicting us about our actions, say, if we are unloving. But if you hear words like, oh, you're a screw-up, you can never get it right, that's, that's not from God. That's, that's from the enemy, that's from other places. Guilt says, I'm sorry, 
I have made a mistake. Shame says, I am sorry, I am a mistake. And we talked briefly last week about the two different sides of shame. Often we think that, that the, the response to shame is always, oh, you know, woe is me, and you know, I'm sort of a horrible person, and, and makes us small, and want to shrink away from people, and, and hide, and that does happen. That's one side of shame. But the other side of shame is, is to cover up that feeling of inadequacy or unworthiness is to, to go the opposite way and to pretend that you're better than others and to function that you are superior and you're, you always have to be right and it's never your fault. It's always got to be someone else's fault because as soon as you own your own mistakes or say, you know, oops, I did something wrong, then all of a sudden you feel super inadequate and that can drive shame if, you, if guilt goes to shame. And so some people who are you know, over-the-top, tending towards narcissism or something like that, that can be a sign of deep shame. And so it can respond to being less than others, thinking you're less. It can also uh, be uh, thinking that you are better than others. Now, we're going to talk today about shame resilience, a bit of, um, you know, the path to living in more freedom when it comes to shame. And shame resilience is the ability to recognize shame, to move through it constructively while maintaining a sense of God's loving presence and your own worthiness and authenticity. And so, again, God is always wanting to move you out of shame into life. As Isaiah 61 says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And God is wanting to remove shame from your life and give you a double portion of his presence and goodness and life and freedom and the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, wants to, to, to cover that up and remove that and just fill you to the top so you're overflowing with life and freedom. That's, that's God's desire for you. And so uh, here's just a few steps that we're going to talk through today. Um, different approaches, but this, this is just one. Uh, first of all, is to know where you're prone to shame and what triggers it. Secondly, to know your identity, that you are worthy of love and belonging. Be who God created you to be. Number three, to reality check shame messages with who you really are in Christ. And number four, to speak about feelings of shame with safe people. And so uh, this, this first one we talked about mostly last week, and that is trying to pinpoint where we carry shame. And uh, just to review here some of the questions that we talked about. Number one, what area of your life do you keep really quiet about? Because uh, shame is, is often covered in secrecy. That's the power of shame is silence. It's those things we don't want to ever talk about because they think if I shared them, then people would think less of me and then I would be unworthy of being loved and they wouldn't want me around anymore and so I'm just going to hide them. And as we talked about last week, as soon as you hide yourself, you will never really feel known. Uh, because what we want more than... Anything in this world is to, to be known, to know people and for people to know us. And if we hide who we really are and we, we present ourselves to everybody else as someone who we're not really are, then, then our true self is, is lonely because we're walking around with a mask and not who we really are. And so we're always trying to move towards authenticity to a place where we can actually express our brokenness and, and express our shame because then... When someone loves us, we're actually, they're being, we're being loved for who we really are. And it, it battles shame and it takes away loneliness and those kind of things. Um, secondly, what area of your life are you constantly judging yourself in? 
where you're just like, ah, why don't, why don't I do better? Why don't I keep screwing up? And like, I can't believe I can't get this together. And you're just always judging and judging yourself. Self. Is there an area? Could be you're not working hard enough. It could be you're not pretty enough. It could be you're not parenting good enough. It could be what, money. It could be a whole bunch of different things. Where are you constantly judging yourself? And that may be an area of shame. Uh, where do you find yourself negatively judging other people? You know, as research has showed, we, we tend almost always to judge other people in areas that we sec- secretly struggle in. And so if we're, you know, struggling with our parenting, we'll go, I can't believe that parent. Look at their kids. You know, why can't they get their kids together? It's like often points to your own shame about parenting or, you know, judge someone, you know, look at those jeans they're wearing. They look so funny. It's often people who are shameful about their own looks or, you know, you know, look at that pastor. He's so amazing, you know, or he, he's a crappy sermon or whatever. It's probably because, you know, you're dealing with shame about your own. And I, I mean, it, research shows you judge others in areas where you feel shame. And so where you find yourself constantly picking on people or pointing at people or judging people can be an indication of shame. And therefore, uh, what do you think would make you more worthy of love and belonging? You know, if I was just more like this, then people would actually love me. If I was just more like this, then maybe the community would accept me. If I just, just had this together in my life, then, then maybe I might be worthy. I mean, what that might, might that be in your life? Because the message of Christ is you are worthy right now of love and belonging. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from or what you're going through. You are absolutely worthy of love and belonging right now in this moment. And so, uh, trying to figure out where our shame is. And once you know it, then you begin to work on it. But sometimes it can take work. Um, If you find yourself battling with, you know, more difficult kinds of addiction or more difficult relational experiences... I would suggest, um, you know, going to therapy. There, there are people who can help you discover your shame. Because if you don't know where it is, sometimes you're like, I don't know, you know, why do I keep going this way in my life when I want to go, go this way? Sometimes it can take work. Or sitting down in the presence of God and just asking him, God, to point, you know, God, would you point out where I'm struggling with shame? It can take work to find where it is, but once you do, um, you can begin moving on this process. And the second thing is to really know your identity you're worthy of love and belonging. It's very easy to, to get to this place where we just kind of think we're not worthy. You're not worthy to have friends, or I'm not worthy to be hanging out with that kind of person, or I'm not worthy to have, you know, to be part of a, a group of people because I'm such a mess up, and so I'm just going to try to protect myself and stay small and just, just be with myself and just me, and, and that's it. You know, sometimes this message comes from church. You know, negative religious Christianity where you're not worthy and you're, you're rotten to the core and your heart is awful and, you know, you're nothing. You know, just, you're, just, you're just a horrible person and, and that's why you need Jesus. I mean, we need Jesus, but we're, we're worthy just because we're human, whether we have Jesus or not. The fact that we are created in the image of God means we are worthy of love and belonging. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter your sexual identity. It doesn't matter if you're up or down or left or right. Every single human is worthy of love and belonging. You've got to believe that in your core. And you've got to believe that when you look at every single person you meet. Because some Christians don't believe that. And they treat others like they're not worthy of love and belonging because they, they're mixed up in that. I mean, everyone is made in the image of God. Every single person. I mean, we look at the face of this baby. And we would never say... You know, this baby is not worthy of being loved by his or her parents. 
You know, of course, of course, this baby is, is worthy of being loved by his or her parents. And, and it's the same with us. We are God's creation. And God looks at us and says, you are worthy of love and belonging because you are my creation. You're made in my image. When God made man, he didn't say, you know, he's like, wow, you know, the, the sky, he said, this is good. And he said, it's good when the water was created and the animals were created. And then when man was created, he, he didn't say, oh, this is horrible. What a mistake. These people are unworthy. He said, this is very good. It's very good. And, um, and some, again, we can have a hard time believing this. Uh, sometimes we act more like the prodigal son, where in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son is this the son, he asked for his father's inheritance, which in those days meant, you know, dad, I want you to die if you asked for the father's inheritance before he actually died, but his father was gracious and loving because the father in the story is a picture of God. God gives the son his inheritance. The son goes off and he just parties away and he wastes it all and he's down in the dumps. He has nowhere else to turn and he thinks, I am going to go home to my father because at least maybe I can be his servant. And he says to himself, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. You know, you know people say this. You know, I've lived such a rough life, I'm definitely not worthy of God's love. And I keep screwing up in this area, and I keep praying, and I just can't get it right. I, I, I'm, I'm unworthy of being a child of God. You know, I'm sure God just wants to run away from me, because, you know, I'm just like everybody else wants to run away, because I am unworthy. This is what the son thinks. Now, what is the father going to say? Well, it says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with anger, you're such a sinner. You're not worthy to be part of my, my church, my home. Please get lost. Leave. You know, some people preach that way. But that's not what the father says. Jesus says, Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And the son says to the father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And the father says, you are right. You are totally unworthy. You're an unworthy sinner. That's not what the father says. The father said to the servants, quick. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. And the significance of the ring and the sandals is this idea that you are as my son. The signet ring and sandals representing the, the family authority. And, 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 and it's like, you are worthy. This is a picture of the, the worst sinner, the, the lowest person who was run from God. And the father is still saying, you are worthy. I love you. And you may feel that you've been running and hiding and, and, and unworthy. And God says, you are my creation. I love you. And you are worthy of my love. And so you got you to gotta believe that in your core. And it's how we were created. As we talked about last week, when God first created us, uh, they had no shame. I mean, they were fully naked and had no shame. I don't know if we'll ever get here. I mean, sometimes, you know, 
intimate partners can be naked and have no shame, but even often there's still shame there. But I mean, I don't think all of us could be here naked. We'd have a lot of shame because of this broken world. Uh, but they were so shame-free that they were completely free. Just, you know, like little kids who can run around and dance and jump and not have clothes on. They have no shame. And that's how we were actually originally created until the junk came into this world. And so now we have a lot of shame. But God looks at Adam and Eve and he says, who told you you were naked? Who told you this? Because shame doesn't come from God. It, it comes from other places. And, and we talked last week about this question. When it comes to those areas of shame in your life, who, who told you that? And who told you you're too tall or too short? I mean, who told you you're too wide or too thin? Who told you you're not worthy of belonging? Who told you that you just need to hide away and not be seen? Who told you that you're never going to make it? Who told you that, that you can't live your dreams? I mean, who, who told you those things that brought shame in your life? You've got to be able to answer that question. Sometimes it's our own selves. Sometimes it's, it's, it's religion. Sometimes it's, it's the enemy. Sometimes it's mom or dad or other places where we get these shame things stuck to us. And, but that's not from God. That's not how God created you. And so we don't want to live in that. And so we, we need to make sure we know our identity in terms of knowing this does not come from God. Shame does not come from God. And as soon as you start to feel shame, it's like that, that, that's not from God. In Matthew chapter 3, it says, A voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, talking about Jesus, who brings me great joy. This is the Father, and, and Jesus is baptized, and, and the Father says, this is my Son who brings me great joy, and I, and I love him. And, and God says the same thing to you. This is my Son, this is my daughter, and I love you. And you say, well, God says that to Jesus, but he would never say that to me. Well, we know he'd say that to us, because as we mentioned last week in John 17, it says that God loves you the exact same as he loves Jesus. And this is why we know salvation is not about works. It's not about what we do. How much God loves us has nothing to do about what we do. Because Jesus was perfect, we're not, and, and yet he loves us the same. He loves us because we are his children. We're created in his image. The fact that you live and exist and breathe means you are worthy and God loves you. And you just got to know that in your core. And moment shame begins to, to creep in, I am unworthy and God wouldn't want to be around me. You just got to say, that's, that's not, it's not true. That's not true. Knowing our identity is super important because it sets us free. In John 13, this is the, the Last Supper when Jesus instituted communion. It said the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And most likely, because Satan often does this, he'll tempt us in areas of shame. Because we're so weak in our areas of shame, they didn't take a lot to break us. And there's something there that the, sh the devil prompted Judas Iscariot to portray Jesus. It says Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. In other words, Jesus knew who he was. He knew exactly who he was. He knew he'd come from God. He knew he's got this authority. He knew he was going back to God. And because he knew who he was, he was free. He was free to do the most lowly, humbling task. And he goes on, it says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his way, and he washes the disciples' feet, which the disciples themselves would never even do because it was reserved for the lowest of lowest. But why could Jesus, the king of this universe, do something so low and so Because he knew who he was. I mean, 
You know you're free when you can do lowly tasks and you know that doesn't rob from your identity. You can, move, you can do the high, you can do the low, but you just know who you are. It doesn't shake you. You know, like, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to take that job because, you know, I'd look like a, like, a, like a lowlife if I work there. And it's like, that shouldn't shake you. If you know who you are, it sets you free to do high tasks and low tasks. It, it sets you free from people, what people say. In a sense, I mean, it's still always hard when people say horrible things to you, but, but you just go back to, I know who I am in Jesus. That doesn't reflect who I am. It really sets you free. And that's where God wants to be leading us. Now, in the end, if you're still here, you still think, well, I'm the worst, and I'm still the lowest person in, in this church, and in all of the Kootenays, and whatever, then this verse is for you. <laughs> First Corinthians 12 says, parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. So if you think you're the least, you're actually the most important person here. Person here. You are. That's what Scripture says. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it doesn't matter. The farther you go down, God says, you're, you're worthy. It's like, well, I'm really down. Well, you're the most worthy. I mean, I mean we've got to make sure we get this in our head. And we don't listen to those messages of unworthiness and shame because parts of the body that seem weakest and least, they're the most important. It's, like, it's an upside-down kingdom. I and mean, everything in the kingdom is just upside down. So number three, it's a reality check shame messages with who you really are in Christ. Um, we've talked a lot about this because it's just a, just a wonderful concept in 2 Corinthians 10. But it says, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So every thought that's in our head, we take it captive and say, does that line up with what Jesus would say? Does that line up with the love of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And again, we have all these messages going on in our head, you know, from from the enemy, from ourselves, from our parents, and a lot of those could be shame messages. And we, instead of taking them into our heart and walking in them, we, we, we say, does that line up with God? If it doesn't, then I'm going to do my best not to listen to it, and I'm going to pray it away. And, and so, you know, you might think, well, I'm not lovable in this moment because, you know, I did that again. Well, we just saw that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus, or that we're the children that God dearly loves. And so we, we bring that to the truth. Say, no, I am still absolutely loved. It's not about what I do. It's about the grace and the goodness of Jesus. It's about being a child of God. And that's the starting port, point to, to life. Or I'm not worthy of love and belonging. Again, we, the father clearly says to the prodigal son, you are worthy to be my son. And so we take that captive and we bring it to the truth. Or I am worthless. You know, God says, you're actually my masterpiece. Now, we often think we're worthless. Why? Because shame says that we need to look like those other people around us. Shame compares all the time that because I'm not like that person, I'm not as good at, at, at that as that person, or I should be more like this, that it creates shame. God didn't make you like anybody else. In fact, God doesn't want you to be like anybody else. Uh, God actually wants you to be very awkward. You should be an awkward person and look quite differently. But the reason we all kind of look the same and the same reason a lot of churches where everybody looks the same in the church is because we try to go safe by looking like everybody else. And that's one thing I appreciate about this, about this church. It's really diverse. I mean, sometimes I don't even know what's going on. There's crazy people. There's just there all kinds of different things. And, and it's awesome. So it should be. None of us should look the same. Just like a famous painter, you know, paints all these different pictures God has gifted you all differently, wired you all differently. You have different skills and abilities and techniques and different things. And don't look like somebody else. Just don't do that. <laughs> Learn who God created you to be. 
and live in that. And just don't compare. Like, you always find someone who's better at you at something. And even where you're gifted, there are people who will be better than you. But it's just like, well, God didn't create me that way. And, and you, you get to this place of freedom when you, try to, when you figure out who you are and you're just able to rest in it and live out of that and not compare and just try to live into this. This is how God, I, I'm his masterpiece. I mean, you know, artists, you know, sometimes they have these ones that are really popular and ones that aren't as popular. But, but they're still, you know, the, the, the artist put his effort into them and God does that. And just because you're not super popular in this world doesn't mean you're not a masterpiece. I mean, there needs to be people who are not out there in public and, because there's other things to do in this world. And, and so, again, you are worthy because God has created you. And he's created you to be awkward. He's created you to be weird, to be different, and, and live that out in a way that you're not trying to be like everybody else and create shame. All right. You know, or this one, you know, God must be so disappointed in me. You know, Romans 9 says, the one who believes in him, Jesus, will never be put to shame. It's a promise. God says, I'm never going to shame you. Never. And you know what that Greek word never actually means? It means never. <laughs> so, if you ever hear messages of shame or unworthiness from God, you know it's not from Him. You can just, don't. Because sometimes, you know, I was talking to Mary about uh, false guilt. Sometimes, you know, there's this kind of false guilt, you know, where it kind of is guilt, but it's kind of filled with a bit of shame, and we kind of take that in. Well, maybe that is from God. Maybe He really does hate me right now because I really messed up. You know, it's like, no, you know that's not from Him. God is always calling you. He'll convict you and say, you know what you did? That was really unloving, and you really hurt that person. You need to, you know, do the hard thing and go ask for forgiveness or talk to that person. You know, God does that because he's pro-relationship and he's pro-reconciliation and he's pro-forgiveness. He'll ask us to do hard things, but he'll never shame us in the process. All right, again, I can't do anything right. Well, again, you're, you're God's master. You're not supposed to do everything right. You can't do everything right. And sometimes when we feel shame, again, one of the, the two sides of shame is to, to think that we can do everything right. And to put that pressure on us. That I got to do everything right. And I got to know it all. And I can never be wrong. And it can be never my fault. And I got to be, be the superhero. It's like, that's not who you really are. There are a lot of areas that I am just never going to be right in. Because I don't know a lot about that area. And, and you know, the more I've matured, the more I have to say, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Different opinions on it or whatever. But I just don't know. I mean, but we are a masterpiece. Okay, lastly. And it's the hardest one. And that is to, to talk about shame, to be a little bit more free and talking about shame. Because the more you're actually able to talk about it, it means the more you're actually living out who you really are, and that means people can love you for who you really are. The more we hide shame means people are loving the not real you. Uh, but all research shows is that shame grows in silence. The more quiet we are about it, the bigger it, the grasp is and the stronger hold it gets, the more we have to that we're not that person, the more we feel distant from others and alone and, and separate because we're presenting ourselves as someone who we're not we really are. And so we need to speak about feelings of shame with safe people. As James 5 says, confess your sins or confess your shame to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And there's a real reality in this that there's a freedom when you say, hey, I'm struggling with this or, you know, I feel really inadequate with this. And and people who love you and are safe can come around and pray and support you. And, and by the way, if you're having a conversation about shame, don't shame people for talking about their shame. 
I mean, I see this a lot in the church because, you know, somehow the church, I think the church is getting better, but, you know, back in the day, the church was so much about outward performance and outward looks and, you know, like the pharisaical where the heart was ignored. And, and if you brought up, you made a mistake. It was like, oh, you know, well, you, you need to get an immaturity and an accountability group and we need to hammer you down until we hammer you out right. And, and it's a shame rather than support and love. And so uh, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And, and note, this has to be with safe people because you share stuff with the wrong person, it can go bad. I mean, it just leads to more shame. Do you know what Pastor Jesse struggles with? Or whatever. And it's like... <laughs> Matthew 7 says, uh, Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. And, and we've all experienced this. Where we've shared something with somebody and all of a sudden, you know, you meet someone on the street and say, hey, you know, what about so-and-so? He's like, how in the world do you hear this? It's like, well, I heard it from this person, this person, this person. And then it went down the grapevine somehow. I mean, you got to do it with safe people. And hopefully you have those people in your life. And if not, you can always chat, you know, members of the prayer team or myself or a member of the SLT. There are safe people that you can chat with or a therapist. Um, you can pay someone to play this role and, and have their expertise kind of work into your life. So in the end, this idea that God doesn't shame you is the most important idea. Because you get this place where you just are core and that you are worthy in God's eyes and that you are loved and that he doesn't shame you. It's just a starting place of life. And if, and if you struggle with that, well, three times in the New Testament it says this line. Three times, not just once, <laughs> in case we forget, not just twice, but three times. Romans 9 the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Romans 10, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. 1 Peter 2, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And so, Father, we thank you that you have set us free from shame. And God, that you are setting us free in those areas that we're struggling with. And so, God, we just ask in this moment, what, what area of shame do you want to touch in my life in this moment? God, you just whisper to my spirit, to our spirits, God, an area of shame that you'd like to touch in this moment. God, where did that message of shame come from? God, was it an event? Was it what someone said to us? Was it what I've said to myself? God, where did this shame come from? God, what lie did I begin believing about myself because of that message? God, what lie did I begin to believe about myself because of that message? And just a heart of repentance, just hand that lie over to God and release it.
But I don't want to believe that lie anymore. So God, in replace of that lie, what truth do you have for me? God, what truth do you have for me to replace that lie? And just in your own way, would you seal that truth into your heart and into your spirit? In Jesus' name, amen.